Welcome to Cloudlandia. Mr. Sullivan. Uh, Mr. Jackson, I beat you uh, last week. I beat you by four seconds, and this time I extended it to seven seconds. Wow. That's uh, noted. Yeah. <laughs> That's something. Welcome yeah. to Cloudlandia, where Thank all the planes fly much. on time. Yes. <laughs> well, they, the, the planes fly when you want them to. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've been metaversing the past week in addition me, to my in addition to my day job, you know, which okay. is uh, okay. So we started a new quarter and I got off to a really good start on Thursday and Friday and you know, it's a nervous time for me because you know, it's mostly new what I trade yes. every quarter and and with the exception of the um moving future, I I do brand new stuff every quarter. So I'm always nervous because this is a topic worth discussing. I never feel that that I can be more than 50% prepared when I create something new because the mm-hmm. other 50% is uh, provided How people by, respond. By, by the entrepreneurs. Yeah. yeah. How, how do they take it in? How do they think about it? What do they do with it? You know, so... I've noticed so, that I feel... I for a long time, you know, as being in group number one of the 10 times yep. program, yep. I felt like we were on the cutting edge because everything new first exposure to it was group one, 10 times. And I was seeing things like virgin snow every time, but it's gotten <laughs> to where now since, since the free zone and bundling the 10 times to coincide with that, that we're having to wait a little bit for the... Well, uh, yeah, I think you're you're getting a more worked out model, uh, <laughs> you know, and it, and it has yeah. to do, I mean, it has to do because, uh, you know, it's just the timing when we did, yeah. we broke, we broke, we gave two opportunities for the free zone you could do it yeah. in september like this just this quarter as an example you can do it in yeah. september or you can do it in october and probably yeah. during the next year we'll introduce a third date in that in each uh-huh. quarter that you can you can do it and and then the other thing is that when we go back to in-person workshops sometime in the future there will be there'll be two of them and then there will be a virtual a virtual third one that uh-huh. uh, for those who and the virtual third one will be after the two in-person ones so it'll be those okay. who for some reason could not set aside the time for the travel they yes. you know, they do it they do it and maybe some people will do two of them you know i don't know yeah you know you know you never know what check writers are going to do you never know so the so I'm interested then to hear we did we started a little conversation towards the end of yeah. the last call about the metaverse and because there's a new word that I've been doing some myself too and the the kind of linking word that goes along with it is spatial reality is mm-hmm. the is what they're calling the the whole um, thing and now you're starting to see all the opportunities that are unfolding there. Ray-Ban just introduced the new 
Facebook glasses that will mm-hmm. record video and photos, you know, using voice commands right attached to your, they just look like regular glasses. And that's an interesting, uh, that's an interesting thing. But I'd love to hear what's your, what did you find in your, in your. First of all, that parts of what, what are being talked about <clears throat> have been, have been, from my experience anyway, of attending Abundance 360 and just following up on yeah. things yeah. that they, it's been something that's been talked about really going back to almost the turn of the 21st century. Because first of all, the, I would say that Wherever civilians think they are with this, the military is probably 10 years ahead. Right. And I have a number of strategic coach clients who, are, who had extensive experience as uh, special forces. So, okay. You know, that would include the Army Green Berets, the, the yeah. Navy SEALs, the Delta Force. And the Marine Marine Corps have have a version of that, and these are uh-huh. just really, really really people who like doing scary things, like breaking things, yeah. and like and, you know, and <laughs> are not adver- and, and not adverse. impossible. Yeah. I mean, DARPA is a great example of yeah, you know, yeah. when you couple a, so, a positive attitude with an unlimited budget. Yeah. So for, you know, for example, I've got one who was an instructor, other countries, special forces. So he was in the American special forces. And then he spent 15 years as an instructor in Middle East countries. And whatever may be true about people's armies and military in general, when you get to the special forces level, they're, they're really top notch troops. You know, Canada has really top-notch special forces, you know. And I think the world is going more and more in this direction because the notion that we're going to have wide-open, you know, mass-scale military conflicts in on the mainland is probably a thing of the past, you know. Yes. It just won't happen. I think maybe Desert Storm would have been the last one mm-hmm. we had where, you know, the... the the Iraqis had tanks and, you know, you know, they had big tank corps and everything else and the art, art, artillery. The, all their ability to use most of their resources was gone in the first six hours when the, when the U.S. just uh, destroyed all their communication networks. You know, they just, they just went in and destroyed all their electronics. Their planes couldn't fly. They, they couldn't stay in touch with each other. And I think that was the last uh, battle of this sort. I don't think you'll, you know, yeah, it's like you'll never see a sea battle again, you know, warships against warships. Against warships right. Or, well, things evolve, and, right? I mean, that's. Yeah, things evolve. You know, that, was, that reminds me of. I was going to say that reminds me of the, the the presidential debates with Obama and and oh who's the uh, Romney, Romney probably and, Romney yeah and Romney was you know saying to Obama that you know the military needs updating and that or you know that there's that they're declining and that there are fewer ships in the military than there were in 1914 and Obama without skipping a beat said that's true but there's also less horses and bayonets 
And he said things evolve, and there's actually these things called aircraft carriers now, where they can land the yeah. planes right on the ships and fly from there. Yeah. Yeah. It was just yeah. so funny that the the fact that you're judging the you know the current state of the navy by the number of ships, it's like so yeah. yeah. We, we move into the Cloudlandia army is is very different yeah well you know? i think i think romney uh, kind of took the the last cassette tape version of preparing yourself for the presidency <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know and he, he 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 did sleep he did sleep learning you know he, he had the cassette, cassette course yeah exactly <laughs> and Nightingale uh, yeah. Conan, how to be how to prepare for presidency yeah yeah <laughs> and so, so what I think, you know, and Peter, Peter Zion, who I really follow his thinking on this matter, he says, basically, as far as a country like the U.S., it's going to come down to drones, automated drones, you know, which are basically guided by satellites. And it's going to be special forces. In other words, yes. there will be cr- crucial situations where you send in a team that's in and out in four or five hours. Maybe they're in and out in 60 minutes. And but it's just a, a crucial juncture. And then the drones just keep everybody's heads down, you know, like, um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. And and so so what I'm saying is that I think that parts of what people are gathering to, to create the concept of the metaverse. First of all, I'm, I'm just going on the basis for my reading that it's a concept and it's actually, there's practicality to it because people already have the experience, virtual reality, which is actually virtual simulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, you know, I, I went on, they had uh, examples, they had, I think, six different commercial applications of virtual reality at Abundance 360 that you could use with Oculus. You would have Oculus and you would go in and do it. And I walked around and one of them was real estate and they were showing off a new house and everything Mm -hmm. else. And I was out of there in four minutes. I said, this is just incredibly boring. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, first of all, it took me about 20 minutes to get ready, you know, and uh, yeah, getting your head get you're all adjusted. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I'm just responding personally that where they are right now, I have uh, yeah. not not very much interest in. But my, I do know that in various industries, various, you know, in ver- various situations, it's being deeply applied and it's working. Mm-hmm. It's working. And that's one of these things that it comes back to conversations we've had ever since the beginning of COVID that Zoom is an amazing, amazing medium for people who have a purpose to use it. Yes, that's true. And I think Cloudlandia in, in, in all of its aspects is incredibly useful, but it's only specifically useful for your specific purposes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a and state so of mind. I'm not sure that there, I'm not sure that there's a seismic change sometime in the future. I think, I think it's just a constantly set of accumulating experiences 
of people who have different purposes for using uh, the digital world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, you know, you know, uh, the one thing that seems to have been the biggest topic of discussion over the last two or three months is Mark Zuckerberg saying, you know, uh, Facebook will become the metaverse. And, yeah. you know, and, and my sense is, you know, and I, I'm ignorant here because I've never used Facebook except uh, right. Facebook Live. Facebook Live right. is only part of it I've used, and I've used it because you can get out to, you know, it's uh, like an yeah, but honestly, that your use, when you say you've used Facebook, is what that really means is you sat in front of your computer looking at the screen just like you would do if you were on Zoom, and it happened mm-hmm. to be being broadcast through Facebook. But the function yeah. of what you were doing was no different than using Zoom or using uh, you know, any other yeah. video uh, platform. Yeah. So your, your function yeah. of it is the same. Yeah. Yeah. So here's, here's the question I have for you, because I suspect that you, you've been involved in the Facebook world more than I have. And, yeah. but my sense is, have they improved in any way? Has Facebook improved in any way over the last, let's say, five years, except being a really, really, really useful advertising platform? It is that a really, really useful advertising platform. And I don't think that people truly understand how really useful it is. It's, that is the absolute truth. I've been less involved in the actual like functionality of it. And even that I'm not that involved in, I'm not, you know, pushing knobs and and buttons to make anything happen. Even on the advertising front, I have a, a, a who that I compose the ads in my remarkable and, and I can send them right from the remarkable to him. So we've got to, I draw out what we're, what we're looking for. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's really, uh, there's something as an aside, there's something really interesting because this may lead to um, another use for this, but I've, I've been reading a book called Alchemy by Rory Sutherland, who's the guy who is the head of Ogilvy advertising is David Ogilvy's partner. He runs Ogilvy um, advertising. And one of the things that he said is sometimes the opposite of a good idea can be a good idea. And it was really what he found was interesting was that they had a client who was sending, they were sending letters to, introduce a new product to their customers and they would continue to make the letter longer and more detailed. And it became kind of unwieldy, a little, little big, but it was, it was selling well. And his idea was that he's got an, a sensible product that's relatively inexpensive selling it to people who already know us. And he thought we could do, essentially like a nine word email, like, you know, a short letter selling this, this product and that would work equally as well. And they did, and it actually worked better. And his thought was that 
both ends of the spectrum were reassuring. It was reassuring that the long letter was reassuring because all the details were there written out. But the short letter was equally reassuring because it felt like, oh, they're not trying to sell me on this. This was a no-brainer, right? It's just that, mm-hmm. and that's the that's something that I've used for, you know, so, you know, such a, a thing is sometimes just saying, just letting people know what it is and and doing it is a is a win. So yeah, well, you know, it goes along with, you know, that I think that the your fundamental underlying technology, you know, that if you just look back to the last hundred and fifty years, the underlying technology was up until 1970, so let's say the 1870 to 1970, yeah. 100 years, was the assembly line, you know, like uh, yeah. basically, basically more and more that large scale work with mass manufacturing, mass production, mass marketing, mass distribution, mm-hmm. uh, it, it all followed the assembly line. You know, that at its thousands of workers yes. would each do one activity and, yes. you know, 50 different activities would be put together in a process. And that's all that was required to create a uniform product with uh, minimum, you know, minimum defects. And yep. it actually started, it actually started in the meat processing Henry Ford, who's famous for introducing you know, the assembly line into automaking. Mm-hmm. But he actually learned it by going to Chicago and watch the hunt, the hunt, the meat, you know, meat processing, hunt bacon, yes. and, and every hunt, you know, ketchup. So they make ketchup and everything like it. But the big thing was the processing of pigs uh, in the stockyards of Chicago. And they had they it was such a big thing that they actually had stadium stands for or you know for people to go there as entertainment to watch the pigs being killed and then turned into a can, uh, a can, can of meat at the end of the it's day and they right. could go through, they could go through 50,000 you know 50,000 pigs come in uh, on one end and all these cans of meat go out on the other side and then Henry Ford you know said you know there's 1,500 car companies, but they each are handcrafting. You know, they're each handcrafting a car. Yeah. And he said we could really get ahead of the game if we could speed up. You know, we could multiply the production by a factor of 10, which they did. And then, you know, I mean, just to push it further, Motown, Gordy, uh, Gordy, what's his name? The, the guy who started Motown, Gordy. Mm-hmm. Can't think of his last oh, name. Uh, Barry, Barry Gordy. Gordy. Barry yeah, Barry Gordy. Yeah. Well, he worked in one of the big automakers. He worked on a Ford or Chrysler or GM. Mm-hmm. And, oh, really? And, and he was thinking, you know, talent is a handcrafted, you know, the rec- recording industry is a handcrafted yeah. industry. And I bet we can really speed it up if we just process talent groups and that we just have a way they have to learn how to walk on stage they have to learn how to dress they have to learn how to do makeup and they have to learn how to harmonize and 
you know, yeah. and, and, and we'll just start pumping out these groups. And they did, you know, the, the hit factory. Yeah. The, the hit, the hit factory. And he said, the other thing is that, uh, Blacks have been entertaining blacks forever. He says, what we need is blacks who entertain whites. And they get on the top 10 hit. And there's this thing called the top 10 chart every week right across the United States. And my goal is to get seven of our groups on the top 10 every week. And that was his. Wow. But it's pure, it's pure manufacturing. You know, it's yeah. uh, mass manufacturing, mass production, mass marketing, and mass distribution. I love it. But and then, that's, that's, the, but, but that that that's you know that sort of you know re- reached its hit you know in the sixties and seventies, and then the microchip comes in, and all of a sudden we're shifting over from a an assembly line basis right at the very core of economy, and the educational system was geared into that, and you know uh, culture was geared into that, and then all of a sudden. You go in another direction around 1970, and I think we're at the end of 50 years right now, mm-hmm. where you're going now to the, it's going in the other direction. It's min- miniaturization, okay? And yeah. Yeah, but, but it's either, it's binary, it's either one or zero. I mean, the basic, the basic digital code, it's, you know, you can mm-hmm. convert everything either to a one or a zero. And... Mm-hmm. What you just said leading into this was that a really, really long letter will work and a nine letter message will work, but probably yeah. nothing in but probably nothing in between it's binary right yeah, that is interesting, right It's either you're saying that that's what well, I, and I think that the ends of it are that because I've said, and this is where the insight came for me is that I've clued into this idea between compelling and convincing that you can compel with short words that that you can convince with a lot of, and you can convince. That's exactly right. Yes. You can't convince with a lot with uh, short words. Yeah. So it depends whether you have to compel or convince. Right. And compelling wins. Um, Ben Hardy, who I have the, you know, I have the uh, uh, collaboration to turn out best-selling books every year, and he's just a great writer. But he went from a dead start to the number one writer on Medium in three years because he analyzed that Google, that Google basically rewards writers, in other words, the Medium writers, because Google owns Medium, they they reward the writers for the length of time they can keep the readers involved uh-huh. on the, and on the site, right? And you can't. And a twenty five hundred word blog that keeps them there for twenty five minutes is much superior to a three hundred uh, three hundred word blog. Yes. Very interesting. Yeah. He's, and so, yeah, and they, you know, and coach, we've gone back. I said, look, you got a fundamental choice as an entrepreneur. Do you want to keep, do you want to compete with Walmart in those days? Do you want to compete with Walmart? Okay. And is that who you, is that who you're competing with is Walmart? Right. Yeah. So, and nobody says, no, no, we got, we don't have to do no. Then you, then you've got, I have a, unique niche process 
you got to have yeah. a unique niche process, and you're just going for a very, actually, a very, very small number of people. You're either going for the world, or you're going for a very small number of highly, you know, highly specific, highly qualified individuals. Hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I like that. Yeah. I mean, our target market, yeah, we, we, we did this thing, uh, target market and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and so we were writing the last book with Ben and it's a gap in the game and it comes out Mm -hmm. in October. So Ben was saying, you know, everybody needs to read this. I said, but yeah, but we don't need to write the book for everybody. We just need to find one person who would be the ideal reader. Okay, mm-hmm. who would be the ideal reader? And and I said, and he says because the gap in the gain is to show high achievers how to be happy with their achievement. That's the the sole purpose of the goal. That so many high achievers are admired and respected on the outside, and they don't feel any of it on the inside. They they don't feel happy at all with their achievement because. Mm-hmm. They were they were too busy learning to achieve. They missed all the classes on being happy. Yes, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and so he says, "Well, who's the target reader?" And I says, "Well, it's Tucker Max." Mm-hmm. I said, "As far as I know, he arrived as a." achiever. He knew how to achieve. He knew how to achieve things. He knew how to put things together. He knew how to get from A to B. He, you know, he had four best-selling books before he was 30 years old. He had a Hollywood film made on one of them. He just mm-hmm. missed all the classes. And, and we sent this off to Eckhart. He came back and he said, he said, this is so true. He says, you can't imagine how true this is. So my feeling when you're writing the book, you only write the book for one person. Yes. That's so, I mean, that's my principle number one. Select a single target market is profit activator number one. And that's, Mm -hmm. it's very interesting that the distinction is that I have to make with people, Dan, is that people are often trying to position themselves so that they can be selected. And I'm saying that profit activator number one is turning that into you're the one doing the selecting. You select a single target market, not hope, you know, make yourself cast as wide a net as possible so that more possible people could select you. You know, it's like you talk about always be the buyer, right? You set things up that you're choosing them. That's your, that's your audience, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can do this in the new binary world. Like I'm saying that in 2021, where we are right now, we're 50 years since we started leaving the assembly line world. And we're now into this pinpoint, you know, this pinpoint world where you can really, really target uh, target with the world, you know, and it was funny because we've sold now about a, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 160,000 who not how, thanks to Dean Jackson's uh, uh, inspira- the inspiration wow. of Captain 
Mr. Jackson and our sales, direct sales, where people have read the book, called us and started a conversation, signed up for the program is around 220, 220 individuals. That's so great, Tim. Oh, it is. I mean, who, yeah, who I mean, not how? Who, who, not, who not how? So anyway, I had a, a 10X workshop and one guy said, uh, you've got 160,000 people who bought the book. And I said, yes. He, says, he said, and you've only got 200. Well, it wasn't that when we were at like 130 and we had 150 people signed mm-hmm. up. And he says, and you've only gotten 150 sales out of it. And I Oh, says, my goodness. Yeah. And he said, well, if you just went active with this and you went after the 150,000, you know, if you went after the 150,000, you, you, your sales would be so many bigger. You know, he's a marketing guy. He's a marketing mm. guy who hasn't met Dean Jackson. Anyway, mm. and anyway, I said, no, 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 no. I said, if that was our goal, you would be right. But our goal was that we do absolutely nothing until they identify themselves the prospect and and make the decision and take the effort to phone us and say, yeah. I'm really fascinated with this. How do I sign up for your program? I said, yes, that's the goal. That's the goal. That, that's that profit activator too, abs- Dan. Compel. We do absolutely Compel no work. <laughs> right. We do absolutely no. <laughs> <laughs> Compel your prospects to call you. Yes. And the right prospect. <laughs> yes. Well, because you've selected them in Profit Activator One, you've yeah. been unconsciously yeah. fall. You're so you're uh, unconsciously competent in the eight Profit Activator. <laughs> Select your single target market, compel yeah. them to call you. Yes. Yeah. 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 So. That's so great. But it's re- really interesting. Now, here's my question with you: is that you as Dean Jackson with your, you know, with the Breakthrough Blueprint and the, BCR, the VCR added to that yes. now. And, you know, strategic coach with our, you know, with our buildup of tools and our yep. thing. I don't really, really care what happens in Cloudlandia. I give a feeling mm-hmm. that new tools are being created so that the next stage of my growth, there will be new tools that will accommodate our future our future expansion, and I don't have to worry really what's going on in Cloudlandia. It's being created, and mm-hmm. the vast majority of it isn't really useful for my purposes. But but a lot of really great new things are being created for my purposes, and I have to be very yes. very clear about my purposes. Right. Yes, I get it, a hundred percent. That you've got to have the wisdom to see whether this fits your agenda or how this is going to be useful to you and not worry if it's not, not, not think about it otherwise. Yeah. I use an, I use a, an analogy. I say it's like a, uh, a very selective grizzly bear who's got his own salmon. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. Got you his know, own the salmon, salmon run, yeah. Driving, the, driving, and the grizzly said, "No, no, no, no." Yep, there's one. <laughs> there's one. Come, Papa. Did you just flip yeah. it? Uh, he said, "I'll just flip it on the shore." He said, "I'll go back right. to it later." 
That is so <laughs> funny, Dan. No, but that's that's the we're taking advantage of other compelling forces in the world. Yeah, uh, and all you yeah. have to do is be clearer, you know. And I I try to do it on a quarterly basis. You know, I yeah I do measurement every three months that I'm a little bit smarter about what I'm not going to waste my time on mm-hmm. over the next three months that I wasted my time on during the last three months. <laughs> You know, it's interesting that you talk about that salmon run, you know, that it's sort of swimming against the current that they have to put some effort into being, you know, going uh, forward there. I was reading about James Cook. Was it Captain Cook who took the British to Australia? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that when the big thing to be concerned about was scurvy then Mm -hmm. and they knew that that was the biggest threat and the antidote the thing that would solve it was apparently oh horseradish like yeah well rat limes but what was what is the what is the thing that it's like a pickled salad kind of uh, thing that People may, I'm thinking it's horse, not sauerkraut. Horse, right? talking about sauerkraut. Sauerkraut. Yes, like sauerkraut. Sauerkraut. Like good. Yeah. Sauerkraut yeah, was a good. Uh, yeah. The fermentation yeah. and the probiotic is big. There we go. Yes. And that yeah. saved off scurvy. But yeah. nobody wanted to eat it. Nobody, it was no. unpalatable and, sure. and nobody Terrible. liked it. And so what they did, Dan, was that they brought all of the sauerkraut on the boat, but in the beginning, they would only serve it to officers. <laughs> they only served the sauerkraut to officers. It was a privilege of being an officer. And then before got- long, people started sneaking this forbidden fruit from the officers <laughs> and then started demanding it. And everybody yeah. wanted the forbidden fruit. And nobody yeah. died of scurvy on the journey to Australia. Yeah. It's very interesting how something about not, you know, we're wired to want something when it appears that they don't want us to have it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, There's something, you know, I mean, uh, it's so, it's amazing. I mean, right? Yeah. One of the things working with Peter Diamandis, we, we got real clear about in the first two or three years, like we, we named it a 360, a 360. And mm-hmm. the 360 was that it was going to be a complete review of technology for the previous yeah. 365 days, you know, mm-hmm. and, and 360 have a more usefulness than 365. So we just said 360, 360. And then well, we got to the yeah, 360 degrees. And then, you know, the year's got 365 days. So, yeah. you know, and so you can kind of cover both meanings with the one number, whereas 365 right. doesn't cover both numbers. I got gotcha, you. Uh, right. Both ideas. And anyway, we got to the point where we were get going over 360. And, you know, they there was a discussion. Well, should we raise it? And I said, no, 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 no. Don't raise it. And I said, uh, raise the price. Um, uh, <laughs> yes. Well, they did. We raised the price, but I said, you know, 
we're learning the fundamental lesson here. There's nothing that sells abundance like scarcity. Right. (laughs) Nothing sells abundance like scarcity. That'll be the that'll be the only the officers get sauerkraut. Right. That's exactly right. (laughs) Yeah. That's you just have a general. Business. You you just have general quarters, and you say, "I just want to tell you, we've got rumors that some of the men on this ship are stealing, sneaking portions of sauerkraut." Where I we made it very very clear at the beginning of this voyage that it's only for the officers, because they're the ones that we have to keep healthy. In the entire <laughs> over the entire trip. <laughs> oh my goodness, Dan! I mean, it's so it's so amazing, isn't it? Our brains. This is, and that's you cannot digitize that. That's <laughs> where the thing about the people are going to thrive in Cloudlandia have a real understanding that the base base you know thing that we're dealing with is the you know what i had an example yesterday that uh, i think it connects to what we're talking about here so it's 9-11 day you know and there's a commemoration all over the united states for 9-11 okay and i just saw a little a little you know a little article on one of my news sites and it was of the changing of the guard in in front of Buckingham Palace yesterday. The you know the the Queen's it's the Welsh guards who in the red coats and the big black yeah you know right. for for hats. So they were the changing from one shift to the other, and and so they the and then they play you know they they've got a band with them and then they play you know and so it. They went to play, and what they played was the Star Spangled Banner. Yeah. Wow. And and I said, wow, how to send a very, very powerful message in a very yeah. short period of time. Right. That, what, okay, that here it is, the Queen's, you know, the monarchy of England, because the Buckingham Palace is hers, and that's what the changing of the art all is about. And on 9-11, they play not, well, I don't know if they played God Save the Queen, but they, they played the American National Anthem. But the interesting right. thing is where they nas- the words of the National Anthem were thought up overnight in 1814 by Francis Scott Key, you know, sort of a writer, poet, when the British were bombarding Baltimore. Baltimore. So the yeah, you know, the oh say can you see you know and oh, everything else. Really That's right. about the bombardment of the British mm-hmm. Navy of of an American port. So there's a double meaning to it. First of all, they're playing the, the you know they're playing the country that fought a war against them and broke free and then but basically that but the, the music itself and the the particular anthem that's being played is about the British bombarding this country and so and it just had all sorts of meaning to me when i did it and i sent a note out to our british team and i said class act 
Brits do it best. Yeah. Yeah. That is. But it's just a nice that, gesture, you know. But you know what? That goes down to the fact that supports exactly what I was just saying, that at the bottom line of it is we are biological, you know, and and that has, that's emotion and that's what's really making the decisions. We're much more emotional than rational from a, you know, making decisions basis. And it's like, you know, Sting had a song with the police in uh, or in the eighties called I hope the Russians love their children too. Uh, that's kind of an interesting thing because it was the heat of the cold war or the height of the cold war. And that was his song that was that you can't imagine, you know, that that's really what's going to stop it is that the Russians love their children too. And that we all have that in common. And I think that there's some really, no matter what, you know, changes as we all kind of become more equal in in Cloudlandia, this is what's going to make the the difference. You know, I mentioned, Dan, you you mentioned 9-11, and I was talking with Philip about 9-11 yesterday and sharing with him, he asked me, you know, where were you? when 9-11 happened. And I remember it so clearly. And it's really a pretty interesting, you know, time frame now to look at it, that 20 years exactly, how much, you talk about the gap in the game right now, that how much we've changed in those 20 years. I was playing golf. It was a Tuesday morning, of course. I was playing golf. I was in Canada. And I was playing golf with a couple of friends. And back then I had one of those Nokia phones. There was no, no smartphones. No, it wasn't even on the, in, in use that, yet. Those are the, those are the days when you needed a caddy for your phone. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. No, the phones were, were nice. They were getting small now. There's those Nokia really mm-hmm. small phones in, in 20, 21 or in 2000. 2000. Yeah. And when, so we, we played golf all morning and then we drove home. We were having lunch at Mike's out in his backyard. We're sitting on the patio. We're having a great lunch. And then Joanne, his wife walks in about one o'clock in the afternoon and says, isn't it terrible? What's happening? And we're like, well, what's happening? And she told us the whole story. We had missed the whole morning. Mm-hmm. And then we sat there, we turned on the TV and watched, you know, all of the stuff that had unfolded over the morning while we're blissfully unaware on the golf course. And until yeah. one o'clock. Well, I'm surprised. In the yeah. I'm surprised you didn't encounter anyone in the clubhouse area or something. That was no, isn't that something it. like we literally yeah, you must have gone right from the course to your car. We did. We did. Yeah. 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 And that's yeah, something and it was like interesting. Uh, it was up up in your area of, you know, and you know, up in upper northwest area. You were up in your um Yeah, I was in Georgetown. Uh, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. George, Georgetown. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it's really interesting. You know, there's this famous play, Away Again. I think it's uh, Away Again. And it's about all the transatlantic flights that had to land in Gander, Newfoundland. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And oh, the, come, and the, come from away. Yeah. Come from away, and the you know the the entire community had to pitch in yes. and provide lodging for everybody. It's about that, and it's a big deal, you know, for that small community. Yeah. But the bigger one was actually Toronto International, because all the flights that were coming from around the world into the U.S. were, you know, rerouted, and everything yes. that came from the east went into Toronto, and. Uh, People in Mississauga, especially, and this, these were, you know, personal homeowners and that they put up yeah. about 30,000 American Americans over a day, yeah. you know, two or three days before it started to sort itself out. And that was right. You know, I mean, it was happening right, you know, right where you were. There had yeah. just been nonstop of flights coming into uh, yeah. Pe- Pe- uh, Pearson. Yeah. I had just the opposite. I had just the opposite experience. We were in Chicago doing workshops. So we had two workshops that day together. Mm-hmm. The other coach and, and I had a hundred. We had a hundred, mostly, you know, mostly U.S., almost invariably. And so we got in, Babs and I drove in and it, it was an earlier hour. So we were an hour behind. So this was mm-hmm. around eight, eight, eight o'clock. So we got in at uh, eight o'clock Chicago time, nine o'clock, and it had already happened in New York, you know, before this. And I walked in, and our team had put a television at the concierge desk, and everybody mm-hmm. crowded around. And I said, "What's going on?" Well, they said the jets had flown into New York City, and I said, "You get that TV out of there and get it out of there. We've got workshops to run." And, right. Uh, you know, I said, what are you doing? You know, get, get the TV out of here, you know, and oh. don't turn it on again. And I don't want you watching it. We're going to be really busy today. So anyway, then we uh, we met and I said, look, we've got one thing to uh, do. We have to get people to make a decision in the first five minutes of the workshop. Are they here for the day or are they gone for the day? Okay. Right. And everybody that wants to get out of here, it's our job for the next four or five hours just to take each person mm-hmm. and see if we can get them transportation, see if we can get them lodging, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And and I said, that's the game for today. I said, uh, I we know how to do the workshop. Everybody who stays will know how to do the workshop. So that's not the issue today. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of people who want to leave. And it turned out to be about 30% stayed you know, out of the hundred. So we had to handle 70 people and we had it all handled by one o'clock. So there was that. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, uh, but when I walked in the room, I said, okay. Uh, I said, I, I'm, yeah, I'm old enough to know the story of Pearl Harbor. And because I talked to my mother about Pearl Harbor and I said, what we're having today is a Pearl Harbor situation. Okay. And so this, I said, I think this is, this is a game changer that we're experiencing today. So the thing that you have to decide is whether you're going to be a hundred percent on your way back home right now, or you're going to be a hundred percent here for the next eight hours. But, but you can't, you can't be in between these two things. So 
if you if you're leaving, let's let's get that started right now. If you're staying, then don't don't be going back and forth between what's back in back at home, but use the day to prepare yourself because probably this is the last day you're going to be able to just focus on yourself because for the next 90 days you're probably going to have to be incredibly useful to a lot of other people. And it worked yeah. out well, you know, it worked out well. And, uh, but it wasn't until about nine o'clock that night because I had a, uh, discussion group, Chicago book discussion group that we had at six o'clock. So I never saw any of the videos until about nine o'clock that night when I got home. And wow, they, of course, yeah. they had censored them by then, you know, they didn't show right. people jumping, jumping. Right, right, time. right. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. But you think what I what it in telling about that, I was having to describe that there's no iPhone, there was no Twitter, there's no you think about what would be activated if that were to happen today, and you look at that half the the companies that we would count on for this, right? Half the tools there there was no Facebook, there's no Twitter, there's no Instagram, there's no uh, YouTube, there's no smartphones. You didn't have the mm-hmm. the ability to take video and post it and share everything there. Amazon is just getting started. Apple yeah. is just kind of turning the corner, right? On They were focused on, they had just launched the iPod and yeah. the new MacBooks. Uh, but that's really, that was the state of yeah, where we the, were. Uh, the interesting thing, and there was a really good article in the Wall Street Journal yesterday, and the Wall Street Journal, their entire offices were right across the street from the North Tower of the World Trade Center. So their entire company was destroyed when the, you know, because the buildings around the World Trade Center were just, you know, uh, all the glass was broken, you know, like right. beam, beams shot through, you know, the, the, you know, when the tower came down and started sending projectiles out for a quarter yeah. mile you know, of beams. And so the, you know, no one was killed in the Wall Street Journal because they vacated the moment the first jet hit. And, but they were telling the story because they produced a full edition the next day. And, and what it took to reassemble the staff at apartments and, you know, around the city and everything else and everybody was doing their job and, getting you know getting it getting it together and but one of the things uh, why i like this article they said you know in afghan afghanistan you know the what happened in afghanistan looks like we've made no progress against this but he said actually he said uh, the number one project over the last 20 years as far as the u.s is concerned is no more attacks in the u.s and they were just right. saying that only only 107 people have died in the last 20 years, you know, of situations where they can call it, you know, terrorism home front. Somebody else, you know, creating terrorism what was it, against I wonder, US. what was it in the 20 years from 1981 to 2001? Yeah, don't know the answer. Don't know the answer to I that. I was thinking about that. But it was 3,000. It was 3,000 3, on that day. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 
I was thinking about they, the, what's all happened in, you know, since then, like the things that we can't even imagine now a world without smartphones and, oh. and the big five, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but one exactly one of the things that the article was saying is that it's much harder to be a successful terrorist these days. Right. And they, yes. they said that first of all, they can't use telephone; that they can't use any kind of telephone equipment whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And they still uh, have to operate like it's 1999, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, and not only that, but. They, you know, the satellite coverage is a thousand times greater. They're being watched, and they never know when a drone is overhead and is watching them and, you know, everything else. So, you know, it's like a virus, antivirus. You know, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's sort of, yeah, new virus. Now we got a new antivirus. So, yeah, a uh, tricky new virus. Yeah, we got another antivirus for yeah. that. So my sense is that. On the one hand, they've been good for the for non for the fiction world. Terrorism's been really good for the fiction world. Yeah. Now that it's really it's exciting to think. Like you know, I was thinking about your operating model that you you're embracing the things that are serving you in Cloudlandia, but you're roundly rejecting the things that are potentially derailing to you in that you distract are living. I would say distracting that they would be distracting to me. Yeah. Yes. And and my feeling, my feeling is that if we compared cards, you and I, we've both taken the same approach to this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of the salmon aren't big big enough. Right. Yes. Yeah, that's true. And I think that's the point that I think that, you know, that focus and strategic and specific and I'm the buyer are the rules for operating in Cloudlandia that Mm -hmm. really didn't work that well in uh, the mainland. Right. Not like they are. I mean, my I'm really refining my my what'smanship now. You know, in terms of my remarkable tablet, I'll have to show you and maybe we can discuss <laughs> my mechanisms now for for my collaboration with my who's that I, yeah. I've got my remarkable. I have a little I can send a document. I could send an impact filter, basically a fact, a fast mm-hmm. filter or whatever directive that I want to a, to my who's and have that done. And I'm really ramping up as little as I do now. What I'm really looking to do is to do even less and really only (laughs) do No, And I mean that the things I still run into friction, Right. That I'm still because I have the skills to do some of these things, I end up doing some of it. And I'm really realizing now that there's no 
need that that's going to be the key is that I literally just get better at dispersing it to the who's pushing the magic button and knowing that it's that it's done so my my I can, my I, can little, I can see it I can see it now Dean you're kind of like Elmer Fudd remember Elmer mm-hmm. Fudd yes oh frustrating friction that's exactly right Oh, that's so oh, 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 this quest waiting fiction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that makes me so frustrated. So frustrated. That's exactly right. This is so, but I've had a really good, I had a really great week of breakthrough in, in my collaborations and yeah. That is, I'm super encouraged by that. Yeah. And, and well, to, the next uh, do more of that. Next ten times, I have the eight ground rules for free zone okay. collaborations. And I like so, it. Uh, that uh, I really tested these out, and you know, they're, they're 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 it's like a stack. You know, the notion of a stack that if you put these eight yep. things together. You can almost guarantee that it's going to be a free zone. You can almost guarantee that it's going to be a good collaboration. So, yeah. Anyway, that'll okay. be that'll be free zone this time. I'm introducing that. Yeah. I like it. Well, yeah. Is that compelling or convincing? I am convinced. You I'm compelled. I'm compelled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've and you'll have a lot to add to it. I mean, we'll all have a lot to add to it. You know, I'm mm-hmm. just giving. This is my fifty percent. Well, number one, I'm going to be a uh, a practitioner of it. That's yeah. the, that's where the yeah. biggest learning is going to come for me. Yeah. Pioneering the way. You bet. All right, Dan. Well, are we on for next? Well, I'm on week? for next week. I'm on for me next too. Week. Good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Good. I love okay, it. Bye. Bye. Thanks.